knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This is DSC's Untamed Heritage. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. Hardity. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Calls. Calling us calls made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products. The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com. The Hunter Conservation Website. We're now into about a month or so of... uh, kind of self-confinement because of the coronavirus thing and hopefully we're kind of on the backside of it now uh, it's not going to be that much longer before it gets a little warmer and and uh, particularly some of the northern climbs where they're having more problems than we are at the time down down here in the south but uh, you know the best thing we can do is just kind of stay in and say a few prayers and do our best to try to avoid people as much as we possibly can try to uh try to stop this thing and and uh get ready for the fall you know there's this great time right now just kind of sit back and relax and and uh i know there's some you know some difficult times going on but you know at the same time you can also take a little bit of time off and and kind of reflect on a lot of different things and and really we're still so very very fortunate and we've got a roof over our head we've got water we've got electricity we've got uh we've got you know a, a president that cares about the people and and uh all those kind of good things are going on so you know be thankful for those and and look for some of the positive things kind of you know this time of the year we're talking about springtime we're in april may right now and uh, are about to be in in may and that's usually a good time when things started used to be the fact that you could go bear hunting now, if you're like me, I, I really enjoy bear hunting. To me, it's one of those things. I remember years and years ago, growing up out in the country in a little community called Zimmerzeit, where most people spoke German and low German. And, you know, English was kind of the second or third language kind of thing. But uh, I remember sitting this time of the year and uh, on the front porch, it's starting to kind of warm up during the daytime, and mosquitoes hadn't gotten bad at night, so you could sit out on the porch somewhere. And I used to remember sitting on the porch there at my granddad's place overlooking a little creek called Cummins Creek. Uh, old Indian village happened to be right there on top of everything and uh, where their house was, because I remember digging around in the backyard and finding arrowheads and so that wasn't one of those places that nobody had ever been before. There had been an Indian village there at one time or another. And I listened to the stories being told by some of the old timers. And the old timers were, you know, from the middle 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s when I was a little kid that were in their 70s and 80s. And they'd sit around and tell stories at night. And some of those stories involved some of the early days there, of course, dealing with hunting and fishing. They loved to fish. They loved to hunt. Both those things are very important as far as food was concerned. And we weren't too far from the Colorado River. Now, down on the Colorado River, there used to be a lot of river cane, uh, tall cane kind of like they see down the Rio Grande and a few other places. And those river cane thickets were supposedly the haunts of, of a tremendous number of blackberry at one time. And I remember sitting around listening to stories being told about chasing black bear with, with hounds and dogs and 
you know, they depended upon the meat and they depended upon the hides to some extent. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, also they they used the um, the tallow or the lard, if you will, to uh, to to make lard. To uh, and they they cooked with it, with bear grease kind of thing. So black bear, when it comes right down to it, in, in terms of my family, even though we're from basically from Texas from about the eighteen thirties or something like that, where uh were they were somewhat dependent on those black bear during the springtime and the wintertime particularly and during the springtime they hunted them a little bit as well too and I'm sure they hunted them year round but I guess part of that came down to the fact that uh you know I come by some of this bear hunting in a, in a kind of an honest way because my folks from years ago loved to hunt bear as well too my dad loved running hounds so kind of grew up with him doing that and kind of came down to the fact that I really wanted to shoot a black bear and I'd already graduated from Texas A&M and I was working wildlife and uh parks and wildlife department as a wildlife biologist and several friends and black bear and my dad and one of my dad's first cousins Crockett Lindecker both ran hounds and they loved loved the hounds they loved listening to them they loved following them and we kind of started working on a, on a plan to go bear hunting. Now, back then, you could buy a whole lot of bear scent. And what my dad and, and Crockett would do is they'd go out and live trap coons and douse those coons in, in bear scent and turn them loose and let, them, let those coons create a trail, if you will, that, that smelled like bear scent. And then they'd wait a little while and turn the dogs loose and... Dogs would chase them and, and put them up a tree, and uh, they'd go up with a the capture equipment that they had, kind of a long, had a noose on the end of a long stick, and they'd recapture those coons up in those trees and bring them back down again, and and uh, over a while, you know, put them back in a cage, give them plenty to eat, and turn them back loose again, and 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 maybe even douse them with bear scent a second time, and. You know they were they 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 loved running coons as well too, but they, in the process they were teaching their dogs how to run bear, and uh, we found a place in, in New Mexico. I'd been doing a bunch of things with New Mexico game wardens, particularly with Ron Porter and a few other guys that were at that time in in a position of, of where they knew a lot of folks in New Mexico and got us an invite to go out there on the on John Bachelor's place, which is out of Red Dosa, and it kind of jutted up against the Mescalera Apache, and he was having problems with bears coming in and, and uh, digging up water lines and chewing up plastic water lines, so we got an opportunity to run bear there, and, and uh, what we'd do is we'd go out and hunt the water holes first thing in the morning, look for tracks, and turn them loose and turn the dogs loose, and we found a good track, and it worked out, and Crockett shot a bear that way that uh, that uh, the dogs put up a tree, or actually he shot it right before it got to the tree. And we in the afternoons we'd hunt around water holes. Now, and, and this was during kind of in the, in the late summer, early fall. So I'm thinking of it as had to have been about. Oh, they both they had back spring bear hunts back then, but also had uh, had fall bear hunts, and so we hunted during a situation to where those bear would come to water and those bear would come to water. You'd find an old remote water hole somewhere and all you'd had to really do is kind of sit up and sit there and wait, kind of like you would sitting over a food plot. And over the years, I ended up not only taking my first bear that way, there, got right next, pretty close to where the Mescalera Apache was, a, a absolutely gorgeous kind of a dark cinnamon chocolate kind of bear that kind of really kind of set the stage and my, my dad unfortunately did not get a bear that time but we did that two or three different times and and uh oh my gosh i'll tell you what it was just an absolutely fantastic way to hunt bear and uh kind of really grew to where i loved bear hunting and then i got an opportunity to really hunt spring bear a few times and shot some bear and got to hunt a little bit up north and shot a bear up in the, in uh, saskatchewan years ago on a, on a whitetail deer hunt and we were they were doing a drive for us and where they hunted in that area for whitetail deer and this black bear came out in front of us and another gentleman that was with us uh, shot another that also shot a real nice black bear these were about a 225 pound bear just 
you know, really nice kind of bear, but uh, not that monster bear that everybody dreams about or that if you're into bear hunting and you're looking for, you know, you think at least you want a big one. I knew that uh, the younger ones were really good to eat because we tried tried the meat off of those. And I mean, good gosh, they were good to eat. So got to where I was hunting for the hides and I got to where I was hunting for the, for the, uh, for the pure joy of hunting bear, of, of spending a lot of time out, and then finally decided I'd really like to try to take a, a, a big one. Well, as it worked out, <clears throat> during that time frame, toward the, oh, back in the 80s or something like that, <clears throat> I was doing a lot of work, early 90s, I was doing a lot of work for the uh, Thompson Center Arms people. <clears throat> and we developed a uh, the Thompson Center, Encore. I was the first guy to shoot anything with an Encore. It just happened to be a pistol, and we'll talk about that sometime. But uh, shot a really nice moose up in Maine, and <clears throat> a few years later, we developed the uh, the uh, 209 by 50 muzzleloader. I was shooting primarily uh, Hornady muzzleloader bullets, and found out that they were super accurate, and shot several animals with it. You know, later on, but that first go round. Uh, guy that was the marketing manager of Thompson Center and I, we were kind of in a, in a, uh, kind of a, well, kind of a race to see who was going to be able to take the first animal. And it just happened bear season was going on spring bear season. Well, I'd been doing a bunch of stuff and hunted somewhat with, uh, the family out of, uh, New Mexico. And, um, they also hunted for moose and I'm sorry, hunted for elk and deer and black bear in New Mexico and, and uh, oh, up in Colorado primarily. And, and they started doing some work on the White Mountain Apache Reservation. So I knew that there were some big, big black bear there. It's like there's some huge bear scattered around, particularly on the edges of the bear range, if you will where the temperatures are such that those bears never really have to go to hibernation for any length of time. They'll lay down to sleep for a while and it's cold, and then they'll get up and forage again. And, you know, neat uh, parts of North Carolina where they shoot some really big bear that way. And this happened to be this down on the uh, White Mountain Apache Reservation. And the area really known for huge elk, and they realized the fact that Black bear do take a lot of elk cows, and they were trying to increase the elk population there on the reservation. So they hired uh, Dick and and Sam Ray and and to uh, to to do some hunting and try to thin those bears down a little bit. And uh, so I, I talked to both, particularly talked to Dick about it because then I'd gotten to be friends and his son Mike. And I said, look, I said, if y'all ever get in a situation where there's some really big bear or there's some odd colored bear. I said, I've, I've taken several black bear. They're just absolutely beautiful, taking one or two that were kind of dark chocolate brown. But I said, I really would like to shoot a, a really big, odd colored bear. So they went down and started checking out the reservation and got a call one day and, and uh, it was Dick and he said, Larry, he said, he said we found a bear. He said, that bear is almost like color of polar bear. He said, it's almost totally white and he's about a 300 pound bear and we think we got an idea where he's living he said if you can get down here in the next couple of days or within the week he said you know maybe we can get you on that bear maybe we can put him up a tree or you know we'll hunt water holes in the in the evening and we'll 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 get out and hunt the dogs in the morning so i made quick arrangements at the time that i could do so flew out to Sholo, arizona and and uh got out there and uh, Dick picked me up at the airport and as we're driving out to where we're gonna hunt that first afternoon, I got in there about oh, mid-morning and he goes, Larry, he said, we had a, a, a bear show up. He said, no, he's not white. He said, Did this bear is just as black as he can be. He said, but this bear is absolutely huge. He said, I, I no doubt this bear is a, way over 500 pounds and, and he's really big in other ways too he's got a big head he's got a good hair coat and he said the reason i know this he said right after i called you he said this bear showed up he said we took a bow hunter out 
He said, literally, this bear ran us out of the woods. He said, this bear is extremely aggressive. He has no fear of humans. Um, and he said, unfortunately, all we had was a bow. And he said, my bow hunter got spooked. And he said, next thing you know, he said, we're, we're backing up. And we're running out of there. And he said, you know, usually... He said, we, we carry a firearm just in case, but he said, you know, in this instance, we're just really just kind of looking to begin with. And he said, sat up on this bear, and he said, the bear was it, it, pretty smart for the most part. And he said, but uh, he said, I, if you see this bear, he said, I got a feeling you, you might shoot this one. And I said, you know, I, well, I, I, then I'd hunted Canada and I hunted several other places. You know, I said, I said, I've killed some bear that were probably a little over 300 pounds. And I said, I said, I really would like a big bear. And I said, you know, kill a lot of a lot of them that were solid black. And he goes, well, just, he said, I'm just telling you, you might, you might consider this bear if you happen to see it. So get in there and, and, uh, uh, his, his brother, Sam was in camp and we got to visit a little bit. And Sam says, Larry said, he said, shoot that muzzle loader, make sure it's shooting. And, and, uh, so I did and, uh, loaded up hundred grains of power decks and put a, uh, uh, Hornady, uh, bullet, 250 grade bullet in front of it, uh, Sabo bullet, shot it at, at, at 35 yards, I think is what it shot. He said, because that's about going to be the very longest shot that you're going to take. It was hitting on a water hole. He said, most time going to be closer than that if we're in, get one up in a tree. He said, you know, he said, it'll be at least closer than that as well, too. So, you know, we shot and it shot absolutely perfectly, swallowed the barrel, got a bite to eat, and he said, about Oh, he said about two thirty or so. He said, "I want to go sit on this water, close to this water hole." There are two tree trails that converge right in front of this area. He said, "He said by then I'd hunted up uh, north and I'd seen traditional bear trails that some of the big bear up there make, where they step in basically the same place every time that they step down." And uh, so they, it's, it's almost like going from spot to spot to spot to where it's almost like a marked trail. Well, these two things, trails came together right in front of this series of, of, of little oak bushes and then went down to this little remote water hole. And so we set up and, and I, had, I had actually taken two muzzleloaders. I had one of the older traditional type uh, uh, muzzleloaders with me as well beyond the, the uh, Encore, which is at that time brand new. And, I had it loaded up kind of as a second gun, just in case I, I might need a second quick shot. And, and uh, so we go to this spot and it's kind of a little uh, place that you can sit down kind of against a little oak tree and there's oak brush around. And I noticed there's a little shooting lane over to my to my right, the extreme right. And, and the wind's kind of blowing from our left to that area to, the, to our right. And, we get there about 2.45 or something like that and just barely get settled in. I got a set of shooting sticks and I got the, uh, got it propped up. So they got the gun propped up, kind of shooting in the direction of where we think this bear may come from and, and uh, get all set up. We're not there, as I said, 15 minutes. The wind's blowing about oh, five, five to eight miles an hour probably kind of quartering from the front left to blowing to our back right and we're sitting there and here's something behind us a little bit and I'm kind of listening and you can see this, hear this very soft kind of on the leaves, almost just barely, barely could hear it and sitting there and I kind of glance over to, to the right and, and nothing, just right there, I mean, probably less than oh, 10, 15 steps away, I could see a dark spot. It looks huge. And so I shoot both left or right handed. Something I taught myself many years ago. And so I maneuvered the the uh the shot not the shotgun removed the maneuvered the uh the muzzle loader around <clears throat> excuse me, so that I've got my shooting stick stuck stuck up and set up to where I can shoot down this little lane that's right there. It's not a real wide one, it's not very long distance and look and look and then i can see it is a bear and it is a huge black bear and then i threw the leaves and, and through the underbrush i can tell this thing's got a huge head his ears are hanging kind of on the side of his head and got a big old divot that runs down the center of his skull showing he's got big old huge muscles and and uh, i think man you know this 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 is a big black bear it's a lot bigger than any of them i've ever shot before and, I kind of cocked the hammer and, and uh, just kind of wait, kind of pointing that gun over to the to the extreme right, and 
And this animal now, I know he can smell us. There's no question this bear can, he's catching our full scent. And, and I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to Sam, but I'm paying attention to this bear. And about that time that bear comes to where that opening is, that little shitting lane that I can see down. And, and like I said, it's just right there in front of me, this little shitting lane. And as that bear comes around into that shitting lane, he immediately turns, looks right at me. Now the bear is only about, oh, less than 10, 10 yards away. Looks down that alleyway, pops his teeth. I cock the hammer and here this bear comes. I mean, he is, he, he's charging full onslaught charge coming from 10 yards away. Thank God I had the, 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 had the muzzleloader cocked with the encore action and, uh, the more shot, you know, right beside the scope than I did through the scope. And this bear is coming and at about, oh my gosh, maybe 10, 12 feet, something like that at the very most, I pull the trigger. I, I pull the trigger and, and, and the bear just, I mean, he is, he, he, he was coming. There was no, he was coming like, he thought about coming like a freight train. And I shot and trying to hit him in the chest. And it was so close. Of course, there was smoke everywhere. And uh, the, the bear just kind of stopped. And I'm reaching down to grab this other muzzleloader. And the bear kind of wobbles a little bit and then turns around and thankfully runs the other way. And I'm grabbing this <laughs> this muzzleloader, muzzleloader just in case I've got it. And as I do, I kind of glance over to my right. And there's there's Sam Ray with a with a 44 mag stuck right about next to my ear pointing where this bear was coming to. And, and he goes, that SOB wasn't going to come any closer. And he says, I, God, you shot. So uh, we sat there for just a little bit trying to listen and see if we could hear this bear running. You could hear him running for just a little bit and then everything stopped. And I reloaded the, the, the muzzleloader, put that 250 grain, uh, uh, oh gosh, it was actually a, a, a pistol bullet when you got right down to it that they developed that I shot by Hornady and got it all reloaded and we waited just like I said, wait a little bit and listen and there was a blood trail from the time that we started right there 10, 12 feet away. There was actually blood right there where I shot him and, and uh, followed this very heavy blood trail for about 75 yards and, and found this bear and he's absolutely huge. I mean, his bear is a monster bear uh, you know you really didn't give me a whole lot of choice whether I shot him or not I, I, there was not a whole lot of time there to make up decision to, to 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 shoot or not shoot and with a close proximity to that bear and the size and and having heard the stories this bear was very very aggressive I shot I'm, and I'm glad I did in, in, in many ways not only the fact that he might have come in there and no telling what he'd have done to us but the fact that he, and when we got up there and found out how big this bear was, and I'd, I'd seen bear in, in other camps that probably weighed 400 pounds. And this bear just to me kind of dwarfed those, 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 that, all those other bear that I'd seen. And so we're looking at him going, oh my gosh, this thing is absolutely monstrous. There's no doubt this bear is going to square, you know, well over seven feet and, uh, so we look and, and kind of turn him over to where I can see his chest. And there's, he was so close actually that the fire coming out of the front end of that 50 caliber muzzleloader actually singed hair on it. And I, yeah, I mean, he was that close. And thankfully, you know, the, the shooting that hornady bullet, I knew that it was not only accurate, but I found out it was also thankfully extremely dependable and deadly in this instance, as they like to say. And, uh, we looked at the bear and thought, oh my gosh. So we, we, uh, we went and got a, a, what these call four wheelers and had a way we struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and finally got this bear kind of halfway up and time and pull more and time and pour more and got him loaded up and got him back to the, to the, uh, to the, to the, to the vehicle where we had started with it from and, and, uh, ended up putting him on some scales, uh, there on the, on the reservation. And according to the scales there, that bear weighed 563 pounds. He was an absolute monster bear. Uh, had over a 21 inch skull, we found out later. And that bear squared about seven, nine. And uh, 
that was without any kind of stretch. I mean, just an absolute monster bear that for the, by far the biggest skull bear that I've ever taken, uh, uh, to this time, to this date being here in 2020. And I hadn't quite quit bear hunting yet, but, uh, not hunting quite as seriously as what I used to, but by far the biggest bodied weight that I've ever seen on a bear. You know, those, those bear you hear about a, a, a lot of, 300 pound wild hogs and you hear a lot about 500 pound black bear and I learned a long time ago with with black bear there because they look so much bigger than what they might weigh the, you know you can shoot a 225 250 pound bear and he'll look like 400 pounds if you're not familiar with them but uh, same thing with wild hogs I've, I've weighed a lot of those 300 pound wild hogs that ended up hitting the scale between 185 and 187 but this particular bear actually was, I mean, even if those scales are off 10%, you know, we're still a 500 pound bear and, and looking at the size that he had of that, and then looking at his hide and his skull, and there's no doubt this bear was that big. So kind of an interesting uh, bear story dealing with, with muzzleloaders. And I gotta tell you about another one that happened several years after that. Uh, I was up in Maine. I did some PR work for uh, Thompson Center Arms before I got involved with with Ruger years ago. And uh, Jay Wayne Fears and, and uh, his wife at the time and, and Ken French and Miss Pam and, and I were hunting black bear up uh, in Maine uh, close to the KI, what they call the Katahdin Iron Works up there. They call it the area of the KI. It's a huge... Oh, huge chunk of country. It's where I shot my first moose as well, too. But we we're up in that area and, and hunting with a with a uh, outfitter, and and uh, TC had just introduced a um, stainless steel flintlock. Looked traditional, except it was stainless steel, and and uh, you know I said, yeah, I've never shot anything with a with a with a flintlock. I've often shot a lot of things but with percussion-looking modern rifle or traditional rifles and muzzleloaders rather and and then later the end lines with the uh, tc and then a lot with the uh, with the uh, mk85 that uh, tony knight came up with and but i never shot one with the uh with with a flintlock so i went through the deal of learning how to using which powders that she used use a finer powder up in the the, the pan where the the uh, hammer hit the frizzing, which set off the spark, which ignited the power powder in the barrel and sent the bullet forth. And so I, I played around with it there in, in uh, Ken's camp and, and got to where I'm feeling pretty comfortable about shooting it. And they said, Larry, we got a spot we're going to put you in this afternoon. And I said, it's a little, it's a baited area, of course. And they, this little knoll that you're sitting on, you look down in this creek bottom and uh, the bear, it's just a bucket you know, five gallon bucket, you know, but we filled it up every day and there'd been a pretty good bear in there. And we know there's probably some big bear in there because we had some of the, uh, the guys that are hunted that area for other things for deer and, and, uh, particularly for, uh, uh, for partridge and their, or rough grouse and, 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 uh, you know, kind of looking for moose and just tell us they've been seeing a big bear in there. So we're going to put you in there and, Sight there, and usually anywhere I hunted bear, it is always carried a second firearm just in case because you never know what's going to happen. So, uh, uh, you know, but well, if I, you know, if I take a, one of the, the encores or contender handguns, which I did a lot of hunting with there in those days, and I said, Bear comes in, I know what I'm going to do, and put that muzzleloader down, and we'll grab that handgun and try to shoot that bear with a handgun. And so I thought, you know, I'll just take a uh, uh, I'll just take the take the the the, uh, the muzzleloader, the flintlock. <coughs> Excuse me. So I loaded it all up, and and uh, they dropped me off. I walked in there and sat down, and I'd been there fifteen twenty minutes. And off the not too far distance, I can hear trees being old stumps being pushed over. I can hear uh, limbs breaking. I'm going, oh my god, it's, they're messing with me. They're you know, I'm Ken French, and thank bless his heart, he, he's since passed away, but Ken could be a practical joker at times, and I said, he's out there, you know, beating on things, making it sound like there's almost like a Bigfoot or something in this area, so I'm sitting there, and again, got 
flintlock propped up on shooting sticks and kind of looking down to where these little areas are and it just the sound keeps coming closer and i mean it's you can hear it sound like somebody taking just breaking dead limbs and everything i thought you know it can be a bear because usually bear try to slip in as quietly as they can and I no well, and I knew there were a lot of moose in that area too, and I thought, well, maybe it's just a, uh, maybe maybe it's a blind moose, and he's running into things, sitting there, and uh, you know, just kind of listening and wondering what the devil is going on. And about that time, I see a patch of black coming in, and it looked like a pretty good size something black. Finally, this thing steps into the opening just down there, not but about 15 yards down to where this, this bucket is, where it's hanging. And I look and I go, oh my God, it's a bear. It's, it's a big bear. So I very slowly, just cautiously and quietly as possible, cock that hammer on that on that uh, flintlock. And, and now the bear stepped out and he stepped up to this bucket and this is the biggest bear I've ever seen in my life. I'd already taken that bear that, that weighed 563 pounds. It made that bear look small. Now I knew that in visiting with some of the, the, the old time bear hunters up there that occasionally they killed a bear that would square right at eight feet. And they'd shot some that weighed well over 500 pounds and approaching that 600 and even a little bit over 600. You know, those were kind of legendary bears up there that, that uh but they did exist and then looking at that bear there was no question that bear weighed at least that much this bear to me was again looked like he was a foot long i'd seen brown bear by then and he looked like a you know like a good sized brown bear made of like like a huge huge grizzly kind of thing just jet black big big head on him and it, old belly hung down, but even with it being hanging down, it was, you know, <laughs> it didn't hang down that far. But uh, I made kind of a mental mark as to how tall he was at the shoulders right next to that bait bucket. And I thought, okay, there's a spot. So I had a pretty good idea. All, so many things were going through my mind. And I thought, yeah, you know, okay, the bear at this point had, had not even really paid a whole lot of attention to me. The wind was in my favor. And, and so I had what I thought was plenty of time and <sighs> had the hammer cocked. And I was looking down the sights and I said, you know, I said, if I shoot this bear a little bit lower to where I try to take out maybe the top part of his heart and, and it was down below me a little way at an angle. I said, it'll leave a really good blood trail as compared to if I shoot a little bit higher, most of the blood will accumulate inside and he may not leave a good blood trail. So I've, I've got the exact spot picked out and I'm excited, but not to the point to where I'm shaking or anything. And, and, uh, I may take a real fine bead and I pull the trigger. And about that time, the hammer hits the frizzing and it goes, total silence. <laughs> Total silence. The gun's not going off. I've got it pointed at the, still got it pointed at the bear. There's a little cloud of, of, of smoke air around my face. And uh, I'm thinking it's going to go off. It's going to go off. It's going to go off. It doesn't. And about that time, of course, the bear has heard all this. This bear looks up at me and he kind of looks up there and he kind of narrows his eyes and, and uh, kind of pops his teeth a few times. And he lays his ears back and I go, oh my gosh, now I wonder what's going to happen kind of thing. And, <laughs> but in the meantime too I'm madly trying to reprime that, that pan and he gets, gives me just about enough time to where I can uh, <laughs> to where I can get this pan reprimed and about that time the bear walks away and I'm going oh my gosh oh my gosh that was the biggest bear I've ever seen in my life and uh, bear starts walking around just beyond the side of where I can see and he is breaking things he is now I can understand him being mad you know something has invaded his territory and he's wanting to get out of there and I, any moment I expected the bear to come charging in unfortunately he, he didn't <clears throat> we hunted that bear or the outfitter's wife hunted that bear for the next two weeks and never ever saw this bear again but uh you know left the track and and this track where I measured the track is front foot across the span of that front foot 
from from left to right, if you will, was a little over seven inches. Now, a lot of times the the way you judge the uh, size of a bear is looking at his tracks, and if it's a if it's a five inch track, which is a, a pretty good size bear track. You can almost bet that bear is going to square seven feet or six feet. You just take the width and add add one, and that'll give you an idea. Now, if you don't know how to square a bear, it means you take a measurement after the skin comes off from the tip of the nose to the tip of the tail, and without any stretch, just laying out on the ground. And then the same thing from the left foot to the tip of the the claws to the right on the left side to the same thing on the right side add those two together and divide by two and they'll give you what they call the square of a bear well again this this bear uh like i said a, a, a five inch bear track span on on the front track is is a good sized bear a six inch is a monster when you get beyond that it's it's an unbelievable bear where this this bear literally had the span in a, on a fairly just not hard ground, but not soft ground either. Had a, had a measurement that was about seven inches and a little bit. So in theory, this bear could have been an eight foot squared bear. Now I walked up to where this bear was standing right next to this tree where the bait bucket was tied to. And I kind of walked up a side of it and took a measurement and it came up above my belt line. So I kind of made a mark and and uh, this, this bear was an absolute monster bear, by far the biggest black bear I've ever seen. And uh, Here I had been with this, had I had my contender Encore or a traditional rifle, which I could have had just a, one of the uh, Encore uh, rifles in a centerfire. I mean, this bear had been mine as it was. Uh, so anyway, I didn't, I didn't get him because the, the gun didn't go off, which... I learned a great appreciation for those folks who shot flintlocks. So that night went back, told Ken about it. We that every fourth shot in this particular particular gun, there was there was a problem with it. So we thought we'd corrected it and you know make sure that the 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 hole going into the from the flash pan into the barrel, the the the, the breech part of the barrel, if you will. Uh, was wide open and all that code. So anyway, it came down to the, the last kind of the last afternoon, and and uh, <laughs> they dropped me off at a, at a bait, and it was about a two mile walk into this bait, and the, the bait spot was where you sat on the ground between two stops to where you had a one lean against, and one kind of sit in front of you a little bit, just right right there in front of you, and use it as a rest, if you will. The uh, the the bait bucket was uh, oh probably about oh thirty five or so yards away in that real thick brush and I'm sitting there and you know hoping for a bear to show up and again I'm sitting there with this with this flintlock and uh, <laughs> it didn't have long to wait here come a here come a sow with with two cubs and. Uh, she goes over the bucket and that one little cub stays right there with her and this other cub immediately comes right up to me and I'm sitting there, I've got my fat, my butt right flat on the ground and got my feet outstretched so that they're just past this stall that's kind of there in front of me and this little black bear cub comes running up there and starts smelling to my feet and I'm going, oh my gosh, this is not good. So I'm trying to push him away a little bit, you know, just kind of kind of motioned him away with my hands. Well, he didn't pay attention to hands. He's totally enamored with my foot. He's he is smelling around on it. This little cub probably weighed about, oh, I'm saying 10, 15 pounds maybe at the most. And uh, he is so enthralled with my foot. And he walks over the other one. And I'm look, trying to keep an eye on him to some extent, but I'm trying to watch Mama because uh, she's all of a sudden realizing there is something not quite right. You know, where's this other cub? She's looking around and, and, uh, I thought, oh my gosh. And so she is making all kinds of noise trying to get this, entice this cub to come back to where she is. And I'm going, this, this could get, this could get pretty serious here in just a little bit. If that, she decides to come over there, I said, what am I going to do? I said, I can't kill a sow with, with cubs. And uh, I said, but also, you know, I can't, can't just let her eat me either, but, uh, you know, so I pick out a spot and I said, if she comes within this distance, that distance being about, oh, 
10, 12 feet out in front of me. And I said, if she comes to that distance and stops, it's okay. If she comes closer than that, I'm going to have to shoot. Uh, just it, whether I want to or not, it's just a matter of, of, of self-preservation. So she gets more upset and she, she's walking back and forth out here in front of that bait and she is popping her teeth and she is, she's woofing and she's making all kinds of noise and this little cub is paying no attention to her at all. And, uh, I'm going, oh God, please. Now, now I'm kind of kicking at the bear and as, at the scub and as I do, you know, it's over there trying to bite my foot thinking I'm playing with it kind of thing. Oh my gracious. Uh, so all of a sudden here she comes and she comes charging and she charges and she stops at about 20 steps out, you know, and nothing happens. The, the little cub doesn't run to her, uh, but she stops and I've got the hammer cocked and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at her right down the barrel. So, you know, I don't, if I had, if I'd had a second shot, I'd have shot into the ground, but with that flintlock, you, you got, it takes a while to reload a flintlock. So she turns around and walks back and goes back and uh, just about, <laughs> oh gosh, about a minute or so later, here she comes again. This time she, she comes in, she's got her ears laid back and she is woofing as she's coming in and she jumps, gets up there within about, oh, about 15, 16 feet. And there she, now she's bouncing on her front feet, kind of, you know, standing on her hind leg, going up and down and popping of course this little <laughs> cub still is not paying any bit of attention and i'm watching her down the sides of my rifle and not shooting and and hoping and praying this little cub will turn around and go away and follow his mama and, and uh, she walks back a little bit and just as soon as she does here she comes back and this time she comes to right on the edge of where i know i've got a shooter and if you've never seen a black bear charge you cannot imagine how quick and how fast they come this time she stops right at that 10 foot distance from the end of my foot and i'm going oh god and again she is is bouncing up and down she's making all kinds of noise she's ears are laid back she's popping her teeth her jaws if you will and and uh, I'm going, this, this cannot be good. I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but I don't want to shoot this bear. And finally, I guess the little cub gets a message and the kind of cub just kind of waddles back over to where his mommy is. And she, she looks at this little cub and, and with the expression on her face, just like you would expect your own mother, if you'd <laughs> done something wrong and, and you knew it. She scolds this little cub and she rears back and she pops him with her foot and she sails this little cub in the air about almost back to the, uh, uh, almost back to the bait bucket. And then she turns around and walks away and I'm going, Oh my God, thank you, Lord, for not letting that bear come any closer. And I'm sitting there reflecting upon it, you know, and I kind of let the hammer back down on that, on that, uh, muzzleloader on that flint lock and, I spend the rest of the afternoon sitting there and it's absolutely a glorious afternoon, but you know, no more bear come in and it's just about dark and I'm going, you know, I've got a two mile walk. I might as well start walking back because I'm going to have to walk all the way back to where they pick me up and it's an old logging road. And so I start this walk, start walking back to where the pickup spot is and I get probably about, oh, maybe a quarter mile from where the spot is they're supposed to pick me up. So, you know, I said, I'm going to have to unload this gun. I said, I might as well just go ahead and shoot it out. You know, they're not going to be, if I shoot now, I'm not concerned about anything between here and the, the, the rest of the, the walk. And <clears throat> so I point the muzzle loader at the ground, this old flint lock. I cock that hammer, pull the trigger. The hammer hits the frizzing. He goes, shh. Dead silence. <laughs> And I'm going, oh my God. And then I start thinking about, you know, what would I have done if, if, if this bear had come, if it come all the way in after that, the hammer hit the frizzing and then the flash was in the pan, you know, was it just going to be a flash in the pan or was there going to be an, another shot? <clears throat> and I thought, well, I guess I could have tried to shove it down her throat or something like that. Cause about all that I could have done. But, uh, you know, that night I had a discussion with the, 
<coughs> had a discussion with Ken and, and Wayne Fears, and we talked about years when the old-time mountain men had, had flintlocks and how dependable or undependable those guns must have been and, and how glad they must have been when they finally developed a, a cap lock system that pretty much went off all the time. And, and uh, of course, these days we use shotgun primers and all those other kind of things in the inlines. And every time you pull the trigger, there is going to be smoke. But I'll have to tell you, after those two adventures with a flintlock, I gained a tremendous amount of respect for those people that actually did many years ago have to deal with flintlock because that was the, the, the greatest innovation they had at the time. But I'll also tell you that was also the last time I ever decided that I was going to try to shoot a, a flintlock at anything. So these days I'm so very thankful in the fact that, you know, I've got Ruger rifles that are the, they're the best in the world. And I've got Trigicon scopes that, that are just don't come any better. Of course, still shooting the same Hornady ammo, the, the, the Hornady bullets, although now don't shoot them in a, in a muzzleloader anymore. Shoot them in a pistol every once in a while. It's basically the same bullets that I used back then. But uh, bear hunting has been so much fun, and, and I've been able to take some really big bear. I'll tell you a story sometime about some of the bears that we've dealt with up in in, in, uh, in Alaska, uh, being charged up there by uh, both grizzlies and, and black bear. But, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with, the, with, with dreaming and Right now, I know a lot of the seasons are closed. Uh, Dallas Safari Club, the DSC, if you will, the DSC Foundation are, are working very closely with with so many of the outfitter organizations, both here in North America and, and also abroad. And, and uh, they do so much uh, to, 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 to help. And if you get a chance, I, I, you know, there are several really good websites. One of the things, of course, we have our trailingthehuntersmoon.com website that can put you in, in touch with uh, uh, where our shows are aired on, on YouTube and all these other kind of things, but uh, also put you right directly in touch with uh, the DSC website. And I've been doing a blog there for a little bit now as well, too, that appears periodically about dealing with what's going on right now and some of the things that you can do. But Dallas Safari Club is, is just such an absolutely fantastic organization. Of course, there's they're supported in, in, in great many ways by Hornady and, and Ruger and, and uh, uh, Trigicon and, and uh, several of the other companies that we deal with. And, and uh, it, it's just one of those organizations that if you're not a member, you really need to be. And you can go to biggame.org. That's B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G and, and uh, see all the benefits and see all the things that are going on there. And you can go to the uh, DSCF. Uh, com as well too which is the dallas safari club foundation that, that uh, really is is doing so much right now both those organizations are greatly supporting what's going on and and going to make sure that once some of these seasons that were closed this this year uh come next year under totally different circumstances dealing with with health situations such as we're faced with right now <clears throat> but uh they're going to make sure that these seasons do again occur next year and and uh, trying to find different ways to help support those outfitters. Now, I will tell you that if you do have a, a, a booked a hunt with an outfitter uh, and you can't feel like you can't go this year, be a little understanding. And those guys, you know, it may be a little bit of your money, but those guys depend upon their, that's their entire salary for the year is, is the hunts that they do. So be a little understanding and, and rather than cancel the hunt, just kind of postpone it for a year or, you know, it's going to be so much better next year when you get right down to it. Think about the bear. They're all going to be a year older. <laughs> probably a year bigger as well, too. And uh, so if you got a hunt, if you're looking at going abroad, you know, consider doing so next year and just kind of kind of wait there and kind of hope and dream a little bit and kind of sit around the fire, maybe in the, even the, the, the uh, virtual or uh, proverbial fire that, you know, you kind of create in your own office and in, in your own mind and, and uh, or your own home and, and tell some stories as we just did about some of the hunts that you've been on. And uh, got to tell you, I love this bear hunting, but, uh, you know, I've called bears well too in the past with, with uh, my good friend Gary Robertson's Burn Brothers Game Calls. And, and uh, of course, these days with uh, the, 
Texas raised hunting products. We've got scent control so that you don't have to really pay a whole lot of attention to the wind anymore. But uh, all those kind of good things are going on. And uh, those those folks are out there. All of our sponsors are out there right now. And they're in the same situation as, as many of us are. But, uh, you know, it's going to get better. And it's going to get a whole lot better this coming year. And, and uh, you know, if you got a time to, if you're looking for a hunt in the future, let me always suggest, particularly if you're looking here in Texas, to get in touch with the Wildlife Systems with Greg Simons. And, uh, again, a great supporter of Dallas Safari Club and, and the Texas Wildlife Association as well. And, and, again, all these organizations like DSC, TWA, and, and even some others, they're out there doing an absolutely great job. And, Show them your support. Right now, too, uh, NRA always has been there for us. Now's a good time for us to try to support NRA when they're having some situations going on, and we know we're going to be faced with more of those kind of things. So, you know, have a good time out there. Enjoy this time, what you can, with your family. Spend some time on the uh, DSC, uh, or rather the biggame.org, and and visit us over at uh, TrailingTheHuntersMoon.com and, and, you know, if you got some, want to watch some TV shows, they're there. And, you know, just enjoy your time with your family. These are special times in, in, a, in a bad way, but they're special times in a very, very good way. Look forward to catching up with you next week right here. And uh, maybe we'll tell a little bit more hunting stories and, and uh, really want to try to get into some of the guns next time, maybe talking about some of the guns that I've used when it comes to uh, to, to black bear hunting and and uh, maybe a few hunting stories too as well. So look forward to catching up with you here next week. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Callness Calls Made. Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products, The Scent Gods, www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com, the Hunter Conservations' website. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.